Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hello, Jamie here. If you've been enjoying the podcast and want to show your support, I have a brand new Patreon page and signing up will grant you access to the Right and Wrong Discord server, where you can interact directly with many of the authors, agents and editors who have been guests on the show. You can also interact with me and see what guests are coming up so you could maybe suggest questions that I could ask them. Thanks again for listening. And I really do appreciate any and all support that you guys give me for the podcast. Let's get back to it. So our podcast is called Right and Wrong. So are these your notes? These. Are these your notes about what we're going to say? Uh, anything. Nailed it. Just a short answer. <laughs> so how many novels did you not finish? Oh my from? God, so many. <laughs> it was perfect. What are you talking about? This is nonsense. Ooh, a spicy question. I love it. This is it, guys. The big secret to getting published is you have to write a good book. Yeah. <laughs> you heard it here first. We're going <laughs> to Hello, and welcome back to the Right and Wrong podcast. On today's episode, I'm very excited to be joined by an up-and-coming literary star. It's literary fiction novelist, Cecile Pinn. Hi, Cecile. Hi, to the show. Thank you for having me. Oh, thanks for coming on. Let's start, let's start off with the, the very exciting news. Um, it hasn't happened yet as of recording this, but when this goes live, your debut novel, Wandering Souls, will be out in the world. Tell us a bit about it. Yes, thank you. So Wandering Souls, um, it's partly based on my family history and it tells um, the story of three siblings and Tan and Min who leave Vietnam um, after the Vietnam War and uh, find themselves first in a, at a refugee camp in Hong Kong um, and then through a bit of a twist of fate in uh, the UK in the late 70s, early 80s, so during the Margaret Thatcher days. And they've mm-hmm. lost their parents and... Um, half of their siblings while on the journey um, to the UK. So they're finding themselves in this completely quite hostile land, um, having to build new lives for themselves from scratch while also dealing with their grief. And so the story is told through a bit of a fragmented narration. And you will also have the voice of Dao, their deceased little brother, uh, speaking to them from a place from beyond. And you also have a um, more modern narrator who's kind of trying to piece together the story of Vietnamese boat people. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was great. It's um, And just, just reading through it, I, it's so vivid. Like you have a wonderful way with descriptions. You bring out so much color and life to things that 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 would at first glance seem sort of mundane. Oops, sorry, my, <laughs> my cat just disturbed me. <laughs> um, sorry. Could That's you repeat okay. the question? It actually wasn't a question. It was I was just flattering you. But so <laughs> what I, what I was saying is, so I mean, going on from that, you mentioned that you do you do move from different points of view. It, it's got a really cool structure, actually, because you, you hop between um, not just different narrators and points of view, but also like decades. You kind of it spans around fifty years, and you move kind of between decades, not necessarily chronologically or anything like that. At one point, I think there's even a chapter about. Uh, written in the form of a news article mm-hmm. about the Thatcher government and, and, and um, refugees. Was it all planned out that way? Did you always kind of have an idea of how it was going to come out? Not really, to be honest. I think I always, I wanted to find a way to include in the book uh, some kind of essayistic parts and some research bit. Um, 
And I think also the way I learned my story from my my mom and my family was through fragmented narration. It wasn't something that was given to me, you know, in a linear structure. So I think I also wanted to reflect that in the book that a lot of second generation immigrants learn about their history um, bits by bits by learning stuff from their their parents or uncles uh, throughout the years and also um, by making their own research. Um, so I think the book, I wanted the book to reflect that in some way. And I was also very inspired by by books who have a fragmented narration. So like The Right Parts by Maggie yeah. Nelson, which I quote in the epigraph and and um, Human Act by Hong Kong, um, things like that. Mm-hmm. So I, I was really interested in in writing the book um, in that way. Okay. Right. And it's, and it's sort of it sort of evolved as you kind of constructed it and the order kind of came together. Exactly. So I didn't really write the book chronologically. So I think I wrote, for example, the um, the last chapter quite early on in the process. Ah. And yeah. Uh, and then I, it just, yeah, it just quite happened um, naturally. If I was, I, I was doing research as I was writing the book. So if I felt like so, I really wanted to include something in there, I, I would just kind of add a chapter with it. Um, and then also through edits, I think at first there were, um, less narrative parts, so there were less parts with Anan Tanenmin, the, the protagonist. Yeah. Uh, but through edits as well, I, I added more stuff, more about their stories um, in the book as well, just to because um, that was a feedback that my editors would give me was like, we want to know more about these people. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Um, That's good that you've created a character that that people are reading it and thinking, well, tell me more, tell me more. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. So in terms of the research that you mentioned, obviously a lot of it is talking to your family and sort of them uh, recollecting their experience. How, what other kinds of research did you do? Yeah, so <clears throat> I actually didn't want to ask my family too many questions because um, <laughs> well, they, they moved to, so the book is set in Hong Kong in the UK, but my family moved to Thailand and then France. So okay. uh, from the get-go, I knew that the experiences would be quite different. Mm. And I, I also really wanted wanted to make it fiction in that way I wanted the characters to not be based on my my family my uncles and and, and so on so I I asked a few questions but I it was mostly just uh, reading testimonies online um looking looking through the national archive because it was during COVID so I couldn't um, go to the actual national archive so it was a lot of um just me sitting on my computer at like 2 a.m um <laughs> looking at videos online looking at photos just so I can get the descriptions right yeah Okay. Okay. How long have you been working on this, this like particular novel? So I think because it's, it's partly based on family history. I was, it was kind of always in my mind from, from an early age. I really started working on it during the pandemic. So I think I, mm-hmm. early in 2020, that's when I, I thought, okay, I really want to actually start working on this project. And then uh, lockdown happened. I got furloughed for six weeks, which really kind of gave me the time to get started um, on a novel. And then I got onto London Writers Awards program in um, I think early 2021. And and again, that really gave me the structure um, and also more confidence to start working on the book um, properly because I would have um, writing groups. So I had to kind of give myself deadlines. I had to write um, um, a certain number of words every, every week or so. Yes. Um, but yeah, so I would say from um, early 2020 was when I, I really started working on the book. Had you written other things previously to this or was this the first sort of proper long form novel that you'd attempted? Yeah, I it was 
it was the first thing. <laughs> I, I liked creative writing when I was at school, but it's never something I took really seriously just because I didn't think that I could write a book. And, you know, English, English isn't my first language either. So yeah. it felt like something out of reach to me. Um, and I wrote, I did um, philosophy at university. I did a master um, as well. So I, I guess I did more nonfiction writing, more like essay um, dissertations and so on. So at first I was more interested in that. But then I, I just think fiction is more fun, <laughs> and um, so I just I just began to write Wandering Souls. There we are. <laughs> and here we are. Yeah. Well, that's that's amazing. I mean, speaking of, um, you are bilingual, and English being your second language. Yes. Um, have you ever written in French? Have you ever tried to write in French? Um, so I did a bit when I was at school because I was at a, a French speaking school. Yeah. Um, I don't know why, for some reason, I just enjoy writing in English more. I think maybe it's because I, my relationship with the English language in a way is, is maybe one that's more defined and it's, I, I've studied the English language more, whereas yeah. French is more the, the language of my childhood, but I, I haven't really written anything in French since I was, since being 18 or something like that so yeah, okay. um <laughs> so it's a long time now so yeah. i think just i um, the english my relationship with the english language is more elaborate i would say okay okay that's interesting do you ever do you ever read in french or do you mostly read in english i do i want to read more in french um i grew up reading you know moliere and zola and the classics uh and then because i started working in publishing in the UK uh, at Penguin Runner House, I sort of felt like I needed to write only in English, just really immerse myself in English yeah. literature. Um, so I've, I've sort of put it aside for now, but I, I definitely, it's something that I want to do. I want to try and read like at least one or two French books a month now. That's on my like to-do list this year. Yeah, that's cool. Because it's just like, um, it's interesting when you look at like translation and it's and it's never the same in in like a weird way it's like you, you've kind of you've literally you've translated it but the feel is always a little bit different mm-hmm. yeah I, I have so much respect for translators because it's such an um it's more than just you know translating word for word it, you have to really find a way to translate in the the vibe and the feeling of the book in a different language yeah. which i think is it's such a hard thing to do yeah because you need to understand the sort of colloquialisms of both um, cultures in, in a way both languages you know it's it's very very tricky mm-hmm, yeah my, my book is getting translated into french and i was asked like would you be interested to translate the book and i was just like no <laughs> i'm sorry um but i have a i think I've, i should be getting the translation in the next month or so so i'm really excited to read to read that that'll be so fascinating for you yeah. to, to kind of look at it and be like mm, it's not what i meant but <laughs> <laughs> That'll be oh, well, how exciting! Mm-hmm. And you, you mentioned uh, you you work in publishing in, in the UK. You are you in editorial? Yes. Yeah, so actually, um, I, I was an editorial assistant, but I've left my job uh, at the end of last year just to kind of focus on writing full time for the time being. Uh, but I was I was an editorial assistant at Jonathan Cape in uh-huh. Random House. I imagine that's the kind of job where you learn so much about the craft and writing and and also the industry and how everything works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It was, um, I, I really loved it in, in some ways. And I, I love the writers I got to work with. And I learned so much about editing and just the, you know, the craft of, of writing a, a story and, and so on. 
I think for me, it just got to that stage where it was just too much work. So because mm-hmm. I think it's just an industry-wide problem where um, you just have so much manuscripts to read. <laughs> so I was I was finding myself, you know, having to read um, on weekends and evenings, and it was just. I was like, oh my God, I have to work on book two at some point. I just won't have the time. Um, But yeah, I learned um, a lot. And also I think um, what gave me confidence to start working on Honoring Souls is that I realized as well that there just was a bit of a gap in the market. There weren't a lot of East Southeast Asian stories based in the UK. Um, So I think having that kind of insider knowledge as well, um, being like, oh, I think like, I write this story maybe maybe like there'll be some interest and and just kind of I think that quite that helped me being a bit more objective about my own writing which was helpful and then yeah just knowing the whole process the whole publication process from like cover design and you know proof mailings and so on um it was fun to be on the other side of it (laughs) (laughs) it was fun for a bit and now you're done (laughs) yeah (laughs) how was pulling up to mickey d's just for drinks Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Having been on that side of things and in... The editorial how did you find going through uh with fourth estate your publisher and and kind of going through the editorial process from from the writer's side i think i was lucky because fourth estate were really amazing um and i'm not just saying that to be nice i, I think they, I, they were generally really good and i really liked that my um that kish my uk editor and uh, Ruby, who was, she's long left, but she was my US editor. They really worked collaboratively on the edit. So they would um, consult one another and then gave me their their um, edit together yeah. on one document. Um, so I, it was really such a privilege to have kind of two really great editors give me their feedback. Um, so I really enjoyed the editing process. I think we did like a few rounds um, and um, I was, cause, because I was just an editorial assistant, I hadn't really... It's not something that I was really privy to, to to look at those edits when I was at Cape. So it was also just um, really great to learn more about uh, the actual mm-hmm. like editing process and how it worked. And uh, and I was very open to their feedback as well because I knew from working in publishing how valuable it is because sometimes you have authors who are maybe not a bit anxious about taking on uh, edits and and uh, maybe not not super willing to take in um as many edits, so I was, I was, I think maybe working in publishing made me even more open to it. Yes, yeah, because you kind of get how the system works, and you know that everyone, everyone working on that, everyone giving feedback is working their hardest to make the book as good as it could possibly be. Everyone's trying to help you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and again, I think the fact that I had two editors uh, agreeing <laughs> on the same edit made me realize, like, okay, so that must really be. <laughs> <laughs> true that <laughs> I need to change that um so yeah I really um I really enjoyed the editing process and it's so satisfying now to see the book um yeah. just being so much better f- for it <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah was there ever a time when your two editors disagreed and you had to be the tie tiebreaker 
I think that I'm sure they disagree on some stuff, but um, I think they kind of settled on that before getting the. Oh, okay. <laughs> Very um, professional. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I I don't think there was anything massive that we all like disagreed on. So it was it was pr- a pretty smooth sailing process. There was one bit where um, I referred to Jack Skellington in the book, who's like a, <laughs> a Disney character from the Nightmare Before Christmas. And I think yeah. my UK editor at one point was like, maybe we should remove this because I don't think people will get it. And I removed it. <laughs> and then I then like like two weeks later, I was like, no, <laughs> I want to add it back. So I re-added it. Um, <laughs> You put your foot down. This is the one thing that we have to have in the book, Jack Skellington. <laughs> exactly. Um, but besides that, like little things like that, I, I think we were all in, in agreement, really, which was great. Amazing. <laughs> and so when when uh, when the book went on submission, when you and you and your your agent Matt Turner over at RCW mm-hmm. put it out, am I right in thinking it got snapped up super quickly? Yeah, it was great. <laughs> I was not expecting that. Um, so yeah, so Kish preempted it in twenty four hours, I think. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it was great because I remember uh, Matt telling me like, "Oh, you find something to distract you because it, it's going to be stressful for you. You know, mm-hmm. like it can take a long time." But it it happened quite quickly, so I was really grateful. To quite Kish. quickly. Yeah. <laughs> And also, it's like Fourth Estate was was my my would have been my number one choice. So just getting that that offer Amazing. was a uh, it felt pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can imagine you because li- you hear about so many books um, taking f- like six months before they get a bite or anything, and all or just dying on submission. So I imagine you'd kind of sat back and be like, okay. I'll, just, I'll try not to think about it and then you get the call like the next day <laughs> yeah exactly i was kind of preparing myself for a long wait and then yeah a day later matt was like oh yeah we have a <laughs> so that was really great <laughs> oh my god amazing speaking of matt um how at what point were you already in publishing when you signed with matt how did you find the process of submitting and, and getting an agent yes yeah, so i I was in publishing and I got on the London Writers Awards program, which I think uh-huh. kind of put me on the, the radar of some agents. Uh, and so I think a lot of them had my work email um, and I was in touch with some of them already because of Jonathan right. stuff. But so I got a few emails from agents saying like, oh, like, you know, when you're ready to submit, like, I'd love to take a look at, at your writing and so on. And then so when I was finally ready and I, I took my time you know, to really feel like I had a good draft until I submitted. And then I submitted, I think, in June 20, 2021, I want to say. can't remember if it was 2020 or 2021. Anyway, uh-huh. <laughs> I submitted in the summer. Um, it was 2020. Yeah. No. <laughs> Sorry. <Okay. laughs> I'm just all, it's all getting weird. If I had to guess, I would say probably earlier because publishing takes a very long time. Yeah, so it must have been... 20 that's so stupid i'm so sorry i was like when did i submit i get 100 percent. those those <laughs> lockdown years are just <laughs> like all one in my head well, it's just it all blurs let me try and see on the bookseller um when <laughs> the article got released this is how you find out when things happen in your life you go on the bookseller <laughs> what did i do on this day <laughs> um yeah, so I submitted in 2021, actually. So June 2020. Um, so I think I signed with Matt in June 2021. And then mm. um, during the summer, we worked on the edits together. Did you do a lot with Matt? 
beforehand. I think, I think we did a maybe one round or or two when we just um, again it was really about um, adding more of the narrative parts and removing a few typos and uh, proofreading and so on. So I added a few chapters and more dialogue as well because I think my book I was I just I. I don't really enjoy writing dialogues, especially at the beginning. Okay. <laughs> so I think I just added some dialogue and so on. Um, but again, it was quite a good process. And, and before I'd signed with Matt, because um, I had, um, I, I got, I got a, quite a few rejections from agents. I think a few agents, um, the feedback that I got was that uh, the story was good, but it just needed too much work or something. And um, so that was the feedback that I got. But I got um, an offer from Matt and a few other offers but I, I went with Matt because um, our visions for the book aligned quite well. So I knew that we would have a good sort of editorial relationship, uh, which we did. Uh, so, so yeah, we, we worked on edits during the summer and then he submitted the book, um, I think, in, in September of that year. And, and that's when it happened. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And then the next day. <laughs> you were signed. Amazing. That what a dream come true. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I feel very lucky. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned you're you're now you're now focusing everything on on this on on writing. Uh, was it a, a two book deal with um, Fourth Estate? No, so it's a two book deal in the US, but not in the UK. Okay. Yes. Interesting. <laughs> Does that change how you're going to approach writing the next novel, or just kind of do it as you would do it anyway? I think I'll just. I'm just going to do it as I would do it and anyways and then we'll see see what happens because I have a different because my editor for the first book left in the US she's, she's no longer in publishing so I'm going to have a new editor in the US as well um so I think there's going to be some some changes anyways for book 2 so I'm just going to okay. try and write a good book <laughs> and then see <laughs> what happens that's all you can do right <laughs> Is it going to be a similar style to Wandering Souls, that sort of fragmented narrative? Uh, I, think, I think so. I think it might be um, fragmented in some way. I think it's going to be quite contemporary. And um, uh, I'm still in the very early stages, so I, I can't tell you too much. To <laughs> but I think it'll be more contemporary than Wandering Souls. and Because I think um, Wandering Souls was quite draining for me to write by the end of it because it's so personal sure. and it required so much research. And I really felt the responsibility to make it accurate and 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 so on um so i think for the new book i think i want to do something maybe that feels a bit more fun to me for me to write and <laughs> okay <laughs> and yeah. contemporary so i'm excited about it okay great yeah sounds cool it, a, a little bit the same but also a little bit different it'll be exciting yes exactly before we move on to the final question i do often like to ask people um little bits about what they've learned, uh, and then how how they kind of can can share that with uh, with the rest of the writing community. So, um, if you were to imagine that you could go back in time and give yourself your younger self a piece of advice, what what piece of, of advice would it be about sort of writing and publishing? Sure, I think i I was so stressed out when I was younger. I had a lot of anxiety, and you know, I had zero self confidence, and i i I had to deal with rejection for a year before getting any jobs in, in publishing because I would just apply for jobs and I would just get rejected all the time. Um, so, and that was a year before writing Wandering, um, getting Wandering Souls um, published and getting a book deal. So I think I would just 
tell myself to just relax (laughs) and trust the process and to, you know, have a bit more confidence in myself um, because everything worked out for me, which is crazy. (laughs) I mean, I would say you worked very hard to make it work out for you, but it has worked out and the, and the book is, the book is brilliant. And um, I hope that the, the launch is, uh, is, is very exciting and, um, and, and very successful. Thank you so much. And that brings us on to the final question, which as always is Cecile, if you were stranded on a desert island with a single book, and it can't be your own, I guess it could be your own, but that would be... <laughs> that would be weird. <laughs> that would be intense, yeah. <laughs> uh, which book would you take with you? Uh, I, I would probably have to go for a classic, and maybe the Iliad or something oh, nice. like that, or 100 yeah. Years of Solitude. Um, uh-huh. Just one, I just feel like those books have so many layers and characters, and you can kind of study them for, for years and never get bored so probably i would probably go with the elliot just because um i'm really into greek myth at the moment <laughs> oh okay <laughs> so okay yeah, i would go for that one that's a great I choice in one year and i'm sure i would have a different answer <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Uh, for me it's like ask me in a week and i'll have a different answer so. <laughs> amazing amazing well thank you so much cecile for coming on the podcast and sharing all of your, your your experience and your and your journey and telling us about wandering souls it's it's such a cool book and i'm, I'm really excited for for everyone to get their hands on it thank you so much for having me And for anyone listening, if you want to keep up with everything that Cecile is doing, you can follow her on Twitter and Instagram at Cecile KV Pin. You can also head over to her website, CecilePin.com. And to make sure you don't miss an episode of this podcast, follow us on on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. We also have a Patreon uh, for exclusive access and content. And for more bookish chats, check out my other podcast, The Chosen Ones and Other Tropes. Thanks again, Cecile. It's been so great chatting with you. And thanks to everyone listening. We'll catch you on the next next episode.